Don't sit down. Welcome Don't to the Bethel down. Church Austin Sermon you of the Week. We hope Don't you enjoy down. this sermon by Pastor Eddie Tate. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com. Hands out in front of you. You really believe you're going to receive something. You got to really believe it. There's one. Wow, just Holy Spirit come. Hey, that was me for me. You need to do it for yourself. Holy Spirit come. Surprisingly, I'm going to go a different direction tonight, but I've realized something. Oh, man. The funny thing is I have two sets of notes on purpose. You know what actually takes discipline to receive glory? But hunger will bring an increase of that glory. See, in the kingdom, when you're hungry and you eat, it creates more hunger. So God, you've been here. We have not been separated from your presence. We're not asking you to come a first time. We're asking you to come in the measure of our hunger, God. You guys are still here. That's a good thing. Oh, man. I'm not in a hurry for you to move if you're not. God asked me a question today while I was preparing. He said, What if? That was all I needed to hear. What if? What if everything in the Word of God was true? What if every promise was actually accessible? What if every dream and desire that I've ever had was at my fingertips ready to be received? What if every thought of every person that I've ever had pass through my mind encountered the depth of God that I prayed for them? What if? And as I went through that same list in my head, 
And I started thinking, God, what if? You're right. What if this? This has got to be mutual. What if? What if? And then he said, why not? I didn't have an answer. Why not? What are you satisfied with? What are you comfortable with? Don't allow your satisfaction to inhibit the promise. (laughs) Don't allow the things that you've been given by God prevent you from receiving the promise of what he's offering you. Because I can tell you something, if the promise of God that you're giving credit to has satisfied your hunger, it was probably manufactured by you or someone else, not by God. Because if it doesn't stir you to be hungrier for more, then it probably didn't come from his hands. I will get there at some point, I think. I don't know about you, but I can't do church. I just can't do... This is, this is amazing, and there is something significant to what we're doing here. But this can't be it. I can't be satisfied with what I've seen. Because there's more available. I'm not boasting. I've had an encounter... I've had Jesus Christ himself manifest in the physical form and touch me and speak to me. That's not enough. I'm lovesick for that. And I want more. Because it's a glimpse of what's available. I want more. So many things on my heart. I'm tired of hearing the younger generation blame everyone else for not having what they should have. I'm tired of the older generation saying it's past their time and it's not like it used to be. And I'm tired of the rest of us accepting anything less than what's available. God's put something in my heart, and it's really come alive this last probably three to six months more than I expected it to. And I made a statement to somebody, and when I made the statement, you know how you say a word, and you're like, oh, that had God all over it, and if I could, I'd grab it before it got too far, because it scares the crud out of me. But I, I said, God, you've put something in me that I pray my, life, my, my last day is me dying going after that thing. 
Like, I want to die with that thing on my lips, that thing in my heart, that thing in my steps. I want to die with the momentum to capture the promise of God that he's put inside of me. Okay, it's a good intro. It had nothing to do with where I'm going. Put your hand on your heart. I give you permission to receive tonight what your head can't understand, but your heart knows. I give you permission to have an unabandoned passion and freedom to call out for the things that make no sense. And I give you permission to receive the fullness of the love of God tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you may have a seat, whatever you want to do. Now, we're, we're going to start. Now that I've got us all thick and gooey and thinking about the deep things, I want you guys to watch a short little video that a good friend of mine put together, but I'm excited about an announcement that I'm, I'm going to give you guys tonight. So go ahead and play that. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. This world is desperate for a father. Absolutely desperate for a father. No against me shall prosper don't tread on me one of the first prophetic visions i had about praying over austin was that newspapers were being opened in other countries and it said that fatherlessness was actually broken over a city the men of this house are going to make a statement that is gonna change the, the scope of what men are in this city, which is gonna change what happens in this state and this country. I want all the men in the house to stand up. All the men in this place stand up right now. Okay, now all of the women put on their calendar Wednesday, March 10th. Because you know who needs us to step up and be men? Is everyone else. I want to honor the men of this house right now, whether you're visiting 
and you're just receiving this blessing or if you've been a part of this house, I just want to honor you. Not for what we've done, not for what we've planned, not for what we're doing, but for who we are. Because there is a promise of God over each and every one of you to, to lead, to father, to actually demonstrate and be a reflection of the father to this world. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter what station you're in. It doesn't matter what your past looks like. You are supposed to walk out the fullness and revelation of what a father is in this world. So if everyone could just extend your hands to these men. God, right now, I just pray over each and every man here. God, I pray that the full revelation of their identity comes to pass that they actually step into something that they may not even understand. But God, I pray that every provision needed, every boldness and act of courage that they need to step into becomes easy in their lives, God. I pray for everything needed to be the honest reflection of the man of God to come forth in these lives. And I bless them right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, guys, I'm serious about this. I want, I want the men of this house to be the starting point of global change. I'm, a few people are like, yeah, that sounds great. That's scary. God puts something about men in my heart that terrifies me because it's like, God, is it possible? Is it actually possible to see the vision you've given me, and see the call of God on my life and the men that I know. Is it possible for that to happen? What if? Why not? But you know what? You have to step up. The men are going to have to do some things. Because you know what? I'm far from who I want to be, and I'm far from who he's called me to be. But every day of my life, I'm pushing in to find more of who it is, accepting the challenges he's put before me, allowing the things that I don't understand to be brought into revelation, the things I may disagree with to be corrected and changed, and the people that I love and know to see an example of someone that's pursuing God with everything they have. And I'm actually calling the men of this house to do the same. So March 10th, you will get an email on this, but Wednesday night, March 10th, we are going to be at the hideaway. It's our first meeting, and it's for men that know they want to be a part of this and men that want to hear a little bit more about it. I, I would love to see everyone here that calls themselves part of Bethel Austin, every man here, to be there. I got one. All right. Can I get another? Um, the, the men's ministry, purposely, we're coinciding, we're, we're going on opposite weeks of the women's ministry. That way, families can make sure that they can take care of children, whatever needs to be done. But the women are doing their first and third. When, first, first Wednesdays at the moment, to, to grow soon. And the men are going to be on the second and fourth Wednesdays of every month. Just throwing that out there now so you can put it in your heads. Women are already writing notes. That's good. But 
there is something significant that is going to happen. It's not something I'm praying for. Oh, God, I hope. I'm past the place of hope. I'm in the place of actually seeing what God wants to do and actually making steps forward to, to do it myself. And I'm just going to invite you guys to do that with me. You guys good? All right. One of the things I've seen in church culture especially, and I'm speaking a little bit more to the men now, but this goes across the board. We need to gather. We need community. We need relationship so that we can start to develop transparency and accountability so that we can grow. Joaquin and Renee agree with this. That's a good thing. It's a good place to start. If they disagreed, it'd be bad. But I know in my life it has been a challenge at times, but it's hard sometimes for men to gather, for men to actually have a relationship. I bet most of you could say, I have those two or three people that I'm close to, and that's about it. Now, all of us have a different level of busyness of our lives, and some people, it's just you have to actually manage and put boundaries on certain things. But there is something about growing those, growing those relationships, having spheres of influence, and, and there, there are multiple rings of influence in my life. I have people that are that, that really hot, close group that it's like, okay, this is the people I die with. And I've got that group that it's like, these are the people I get wounded with. Then the people that I pick fights with. Then the people, you guys understand what I'm saying. There's rings of people that are in relationship, but I need to expand that too. Not because I need something more to do in my day. Not because I'm bored. But because I need what you have and you need what I have. And together in community, we're going to grow. And I'm going to help you with something. God doesn't call the qualified. God qualifies the called. And if you don't think you have what it takes, it's because you haven't heard him call you out yet. Maybe because you're sitting with your fingers in your ears. Because he's called all of you. See, when you, confess your, when you confess your sins and ask God for forgiveness, you're forgiven. How many understand that? Six of you. Okay, the rest of you, go ahead and ask for forgiveness now. I'll give you a moment. But with God, you're not just forgiven. Your sins are forgotten. Like, they're no longer there. I love how we sometimes will go back and repent for things that we've done over and over and over. God, I'm so sorry I did it again. Did, did what again? I, I don't have record of this, that you've ever done this before. Does this excuse sin? Well, I can keep going because he forgives it every time. No. That's grace that's given to us. It's actually disobedience. And it's rebellion when you do something knowing when it's wrong. It's his grace that gives us freedom. Romans 8, 38 and 39. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor powers, 
nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. That's a pretty good list. Funny thing is, when I read that today, I realized there's something missing. Our past. It specifically even says in part of it, nor things present, nor things to come, goes on to any other created thing. But our past is not listed. See, the definition of being separated is actually to be isolated or caused to be distant from. If you give an enemy a voice in your past, which God doesn't remember, you've actually created the opportunity to be isolated and distanced from the love of God. See, the enemy's going to try to remind you of your past, and God's like, I have no record of these things. Our past is important because it's created who we are, but it's not to be looked back on or held as something to reflect on as we're going forward. Because the only place by this list that the enemy has a place to affect us is reminding us of things that have happened. You only have a promise for your future. Nothing can prevent the promise of God in your future. We give the devil way too much credit sometimes for preventing our future, but my Bible doesn't say he has that ability. When he does, it's because he's reminded me of something that happened and I reflect on that instead of look on what's available. made a statement earlier discipline invites glory qualifies us for the glory I, I have been so hungry for the glory of God lately how many of you just have been hungry for that glorious nature of God to just pour out all over especially you know I don't want to keep talking about what's happened where we are what's been going on that's my response to that. COVID, snowmageddon, race stuff, whatever it is. I don't care anymore. None of that matters anymore. Is it gone? I don't, I don't know. I don't care. What's available? His glory. But what's that going to take? My discipline. It's going to take discipline of this. This is where it starts. If you're not in here... You're getting glimpses of glory, and it's almost like sleeping around. Sorry if that's offensive. You're right, I'm not. <laughs> Our relationship with God is very often mirrored as a marriage. We're the bride being prepared. It's not like it's a stretch to find that in here. 
But if in my marriage I just had an occasional encounter, how, do you, how, how strong do you think that marriage would be? If I only went after that marriage for that encounter, how good do you think that relationship would be? But when I'm invested into getting to know every aspect of this, knowing that the more I get to know this, the more I get into relationship with this, the more those encounters actually are available because they're the overflow of relationship, not the focus of them. See, the encounters and glory of God aren't my focus. They're the overflow, blessing, and outcome of relationship. Well, that relationship starts here. And I, I'm calling us all out because I need more of it. If we're not getting more of the word in us than any other input, you're off balance. It's just where we are. part of it are you praying and not the vending machine prayer God I need this shoot I didn't put in my tithe God I need oh sorry was that offensive we don't go to God to just answer our needs we don't go to God just to satisfy the things that are hurting or hard we go to God because he's God. He's a father. He loves us. We are in relationship. I enjoy my time with him. The funny thing is, is my prayers have become more of a response to a question he asks than approaching him with this need. I don't come up and say, I need this. It's like, oh, I love you. And he's like, is there anything I could do for you right now? Oh, yeah, that'd be nice. But I love you. Oh, it's done now. My prayers should be out of a relational place. My prayers should be out of a place where it's not asking him to fix something that I may have broken. Now, does he do that for us? Yes. Are there seasons that we go into those prayers? Yes. The Bible is full of different types of prayer. Crying out, supplication, intercession. There's a lot of that in there. But the reality is if you put the filter of every one of those prayers through the lens of relationship, you'll actually see something different in all of them. We have to be praying. The Bible says pray without ceasing. We're going to go someplace. I love what Renee does. Renee looked over at me before service started and she goes, I'm going to pick a few of your verses from your sermon and talk about them during the close. It's an inside joke. We will do that to each other all the time. We'll have a sermon prepared. One of us gets up and shares half their sermon. So she pre-warned me. And I thought, she's not going to do it. She started with speaking in tongues, praying in the Spirit. That's the end of my sermon. Because there's something significant about actually praying in the Spirit. Because it removes a lot of this, and it ignites all of this. There is a spirit-to-spirit -spirit connection when you're praying in tongues, and it goes several directions. It's not just this way. Sometimes it's this way. Sometimes it's this way. You'll be praying in tongues, and you may be receiving from God. You may be speaking to God. You may be interceding for God. You may be changing the past, the present, and the future. That'll mess you up. You need to worship. 
what we do here is an amazing form of worship, but it is a form of worship. My worship should be whatever I'm doing, he's exalted. And whoever is watching sees him in my actions. That's worship. Trying to figure out which of these notes I'm going to use. See, I told, look, I, I came ultra prepared just in case. <laughs> well, it's been four sermons that I haven't preached. I just printed them all out, so. <laughs> you know what? And, and it's a running joke, and I kind of love it. It's awesome, but there is something significant. I am so wanting the glory of God and everything he has to show up anytime I'm willing to step aside whenever it's needed. That's not the only reason that happens. It just happens to be, I think I get scheduled somehow on the nights that God's like, oh, we're going to have fun tonight. But there's something about the glory of God. There's something about the presence of God. There's something about letting go of the plan and receiving his desires. There's also something about being prepared, being disciplined, and actually doing something. Mm. Hebrews 10. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more. This is important. Gathering together, assembling together, exhorting one another. It's important. Some people don't feel they need this. I've got my relationship with God. I don't need to go to church. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Is that your relationship with God? I hope not. But it's very important that this is a part of your life. And it's important that you're not just showing up as a consumer and leaving, purchasing something. It's important that you're coming in here, you're conquering your and other people's breakthroughs. You're conquering for other people's breakthroughs. You're coming in here to fill part of the well, to receive, and to help others. If you've come here more than one time and not actively engaged with someone to find out where they are and how you can help, and don't give me the I'm an introvert junk, because that's not in my Bible. If you can find in the Bible where introverts don't have to talk to people, come see me after church. And I'll lay hands on you repeatedly until you believe different. But if you haven't come here more than one time and actually tried to connect with someone to find out where their life is and how you could possibly be help, you may be a prayer away in that person's life for the greatest breakthrough they've ever had. 
you may have what's in your pocket may actually change that person's life for that night. There's a gentleman that came here several, a couple months ago. He was given a painting and something like that, but I ended up giving him a $10 bill. Not a big deal. It's what I had in my pocket. He still messages me on Facebook. He's traveling all over, and he told me just a few days ago, man, I am never going to forget you handing me that $10. I needed gas to get to my next place, and he said, other people blessed me that night, but you gave me $10, and I knew that was going to take care of me. I knew God had me because of that small little bill. What if I hadn't have done that? What if my one forward step was the act that actually released in the room other people to bless this man? And what if I hadn't done what I was supposed to do? There are people sitting in there right now that have been here probably a dozen times and you've talked to the one or two people you know and you've never spoken to anybody else. I'm not calling you out as much as I'm calling us out. Actually coming together and assembling and having community means that we know each other. Do I know you by first name? I can look around the room and say, no, don't know most of you, hardly at all. But I know I've walked around and just touched somebody's back, shaken somebody's hand, said hello to a whole lot of you. And if all of us did that, what would this community look like? What would change if just we in this room, just these people begin to actually think outward and think transformational change in everyone's life that we come encounter with. Because just think how many times you're going to be encountered by somebody that has that transformational change in their mind and heart towards you. We need this community. It's actually a sign of being spiritual healthy, spiritually healthy. Community and being able to assemble is actually mature it's a maturity in your spiritual life. I don't know why. I feel like I'm supposed to punch a few things in the face. Hope you guys are okay with that. Um, yeah, it's pretty normal. That's a good idea. That's true. If you've come here expecting the pastors to take care of everything, you're off base. <laughs> pastors in the front were like, amen, say it again, <laughs> say it four times. Pastors are actually shepherds. They're to shepherd, they're to lead, they're protect, they're to gather. Hopefully you just heard my whole spiel about us gathering, that's what we're talking about, to lead, to protect, to gather. In Titus 2, older women are to shepherd the younger. In Ephesians 6, parents are to shepherd their children. 2 Timothy 2, Timothy was told to teach others what he himself had been taught. Matthew 28, we're all called to be making disciples. This is what I would say. How many people have left so far? I haven't kept count. If you don't have people in your life looking to you as a mentor or looking to you as a, as a shepherd, something's wrong. And you have to change something. Well, I don't know the word enough. 
God didn't call you to be qualified to do this. He's calling you because he's going to qualify you. I don't have a life experience. Okay? Do you have to have one? See, from what I know, there's wisdom that comes through revelation. And I will take that wisdom over experiential wisdom anytime. Because revelatory wisdom comes from truth. Experiential usually comes from mistakes. I had a great conversation with a young man that was talking about, he's, he's you know, not young, he's in his 20s, but he said that he felt odd sort of speaking to men about purity. You know, sexual things, sexual sins, stuff like that. Because he's never seen a naked woman. He's never been in a relationship. He's never experienced anything that these men would come to him for. I know all of you are like, that's not real. I almost cried hearing that. It's like, my God, somebody had it in them to surrender something to God that was so pure and perfect that he, here's the problem. He felt disqualified to help men. I actually understood why he felt that. But my thought is, my God, you're standing in the place of example of truth of what's available. You have more to give any of us than the ones that have walked through the stuff that we're trying to fix. Because you know what? The problem doesn't get, or the solution never gets found in the problem. It gets found in the truth. And if he's standing in truth, he is the example of the solution. Make a life commitment to not walk in sin in those areas. All of us are called to shepherd, regardless of your experience, regardless of your thoughts about yourself. All of us have something to give. I will tell you this, depending on how much you're in here, depending on how much you're in prayer, depending on how much you're worshiping, you're giving out of something. It's either your experience or his. And if I'm going to give, I hope to give out of his. It's way more valuable. We all need the people in our lives that challenge us. How many of you love to be challenged? It's like eight of us in the room. And we're just weird. Nobody actually likes to be challenged. I actually am one of those weird ones. I love being challenged. Now, people that challenge me may disagree with that. They're wrong, but... I know myself well enough. If somebody challenges me, I will usually rise up and stand and defend my point, my view, and then I go, okay, I've said what I need to say. What do I need to think? I, it's kind of like I need to defend myself, and then I'll probably come back and go, okay, I was being a special kind of stupid over there. Um, I'd like help in this area now. <laughs> what part's true? The special kind of stupid or that I need help or... 
It's never good to have a close friend that likes to jab in the audience when you're preaching about solid emotional things because he just changes it. But we need to be challenged. I mean, iron sharpens iron. How many of you have heard that verse? How many of you have seen it on posters? How many of you know it? I mean, know it backwards. It's probably one of the most well-known verses in the Bible. How many of you actually thought about what it means? How many of you have ever sharpened iron? It's usually not a really sharp thing rubbing against a really soft thing to get shiny. It's usually something that's very rigid and stubborn that's being shaved down and pieces are being cut off to refine an edge to do what it's supposed to do. We can't get these sissy type thoughts about ironing sharpened iron. It's not pretty. But that's what we need. We need to be sharpened. Why? Because we've been created for a purpose. And if we're dull or chipped, we're going to break or be inefficient in what he's called us to do. We need people that will challenge us. We need those people in our lives that we like and sometimes get stressed being around. You know, there's a pastor out at Bethel, and he takes third-year students as interns, and he purposely chooses a specific one every year that he's like, they're going to be sharpening me. Like, he chooses one that's going to be a challenge one that's not going to be fun, one that doesn't fit what he would be hoping to have in his sphere of influence. Why? Because he's purposed in himself to put things around him that will sharpen him and help him become a better person. How many of you are inviting in those rough, sharp, jagged people to both sharpen and be sharpened by you? Did he raise his hand again? <laughs> See, the problem is, is that we often like to do what makes us feel good. We do what we want to do. And then we try to make sure that there's no biblical context or verses or something that's going to show us that we might be wrong because we're trying to figure out what will God tolerate in my life, not what does he desire. What can I do that I don't get condemned for? I just may not receive everything that's available. And the problem is, is that God in his grace and his mercy and his love for us still will lavish us with blessing and we think that that qualifies our lack of pursuit and change when it actually is not, doesn't have anything to do with it. But just think, what would happen if we actually stopped trying to figure out what God tolerates and we tried to, tried to really figure out what he desires and what he wants? Like, what, what if we were going after the heart of God to where I did what he wanted all the time? I don't want to have to let go of those friends. Great. 
I, I think it'll be boring. <laughs> this is fun. Evan, Evans can talk to this one. <laughs> I don't know. I think Chris, being a Christian will be boring. <laughs> I don't know what God you know. <laughs> Mine's not boring. Religion can be boring as all get out. I'm sorry. Religion? But God? No. You know that Jesus was the happiest of all the disciples? Jumping and twirling. Read your Bible. See, we have this picture of Jesus that he comes out of the water in a white robe and he doesn't ever go beyond monotone. And, you know, everything he says is super serious because that's a fruit of the Spirit, you know. <laughs> that's our picture of Jesus sometimes. It's like, man, where are the fruit of the Spirit in this guy's life? There's a few, but he added a few that just don't represent my Jesus. Joy being one of them. Most of the adaptations that we've seen of Jesus, he's not super happy. He's super serious. Because everybody's so screwed up that he needs to fix them. <laughs> and you know what we do when we see that over and over and over? We think, wow, we're really screwed up. He needs to fix me. When Jesus is enamored, He's absolutely over, just, he is so in love with you, so happy to be with you. He enjoys you more than you realize. And if you could get out of your own way, you guys would have a party together. Come on. <laughs> I'm actually nervous of where I'm feeling this going. Oh, man. I can't wait until we have our own building because these services are going to end right around 8, I think, in the morning. Oh. See, the reason that we actually like to figure out what we can get away with and the reason that we decide not to really ask God what he wants. And that doesn't mean, God, what do you want? I want. You're not going to get that very often. See, this is why this thing scares a lot of people. Because it tells you what he wants. See, sometimes those challenging people scare you because they tell you what he wants. See, you can kind of find where your heart's positioned is. Are you pushing away the things that are challenging your walk with God? That means you're trying to keep safe. And you'd rather be in ignorance instead of disobedience. Because by nature, you don't want to disobey, so you'd rather be ignorant to what he wants. So you don't figure out what he wants, so you can say, well, I didn't know. It's ignorance. I didn't know what he wanted. I didn't know God wanted that in my life. That's way easier than being disobedient because once you know what he wants for you, you have to do something about it. We can't have such low expectation, expectations for the people in our lives that are supposedly filled with the Holy Spirit. 
We can't have low expectations for them. We can't partner with their satisfaction of where their lives are. I care about you too much to let you stay where you are. Because God loves you 100% where you are right now. There is zero separation of love from God where you are right now in this moment. But he loves you enough not to leave you there. Got through three quarters of these. I skipped around a little bit. I'm proud of myself. This is a whole new day. You guys doing okay? Can't tell if you're looking at the clocks to get out of here, if you're okay with what's going on. I really don't care. I'm just, just trying to make you feel like you're involved. Um, just want you to feel important. Something I've been challenged with a lot recently is an eternal mindset. Thinking eternity. Because the reality is that revival is a now thought. It's not an eternal thought. In some sense. I don't want to disqualify that. But when I think of what God's going to do right now, there is a lot of impact on what he does that affects eternity. But specifically in my life, am I thinking eternity? Am I thinking so far beyond the scope of my understanding? Am I reaching for something that cannot be fathomed by my mind? Am I reaching for that enough and exploring that enough and, and have that in my heart enough to where certain life decisions are being made with that in mind? Am I thinking about my life and maybe my kids? Am I thinking about my children's children? Am I thinking about the 30 generations from now that may be experiencing something that I've deposited? I don't know how far this thing's going to go. No one knows the day or the hour. For here. But all of us should know what's available. And it's forever. What am I doing in my life today that establishes my relationship with him forever? Am I testing the waters now because I'm not worried about what it's like forever? Am I just trying to arrive at death doing good? Or am I actually trying to think about what I'm establishing in my life for everyone that I've ever come in contact with to experience a level of eternity that they wouldn't have known before? skip over something, but I've been thinking about seed, throwing seed, planting seed, thinking about harvest, thinking about the fruit. Does anybody else think about that? If you're a farmer, maybe, but, and I know we've talked about this before, but many of you know the way that farming was done in the past. We talk about the seed you know, nowadays they go through and they cut the lines and they till up all the dirt, then they put the seeds in and then they put the dirt over it. That's how they do farming. 
Way back, they did it differently. They took the seeds and they threw the seeds out over the field, and then the plowman would come behind and till the seeds up into the soil after they were cast. There's 14 different messages I could do off of that analogy right there. But what I was thinking about is the seed itself. I don't know why. God had me kind of for a couple days just reading about seeds. Do you know that when you throw a seed down, that seeds in themselves have a protective layer on them? Okay, if, if I'm saying the obvious, just make it sound like I'm coming up with these cool revelations. Because I didn't know some of this stuff. So seeds have these hard exteriors that are protective. Good job. Seeds have these hard exteriors that are protective. Okay. All right. Um. I love it. I love it. So, to me, I've been thinking about seeds in two ways. There's seeds I cast, and I'm a seed. (laughs) Oh, boy, here we go. See, now the hard exterior makes sense, right? But when you cast a seed, a seed in itself, it has this hard exterior. Why? It, it, it's protected. The seed is protected. It has something by its design to keep it safe. When you cast seed, are you worried that it's going in the wrong place? Are, when you cast seed, are you expecting it to have a result? Do you think it's fragile? Are you holding your seed in reserve because you're afraid that it's not going to bear fruit? It's got protection on it. Now, the seed inside of the seed has everything it needs to grow. But guess what triggers the growth? Water. Water, the presence. Thank you. She can preach up here. The presence. Everything that's needed for that seed to grow is inside of it already. Everything that you've cast has everything needed to grow. When you look in the mirror, you're looking at a seed that has everything in it that's needed to grow. Now, when the plowman comes, who is God, because he tills us up, he actually embeds us in soil. Why? Because he covers us so that we can grow, and when we grow, all of our potential begins to spring forth in his covering. A seed carries the protective nature to keep it safe, the provision of everything needed to grow, and the potential to bear fruit beyond itself. And Joaquin's talked about this before, but in a seed is a harvest of seeds. In each one of you is a harvest of seeds. Your potential comes when you allow the presence of God to begin to activate what's inside of you and the covering of God to allow you to have potential to spring forth. 
Okay, go ahead. Oh. You guys are too easy. <laughs> you know, sometimes we plant seeds for short seasons. Sometimes when you're planting a seed, it's so that you can have the fruit. If you have a garden, you're planting so that you can eat from that garden. Sometimes you're planting for others. You're planting fields. Or you're planting things that take seasons to develop. Sometimes you're planting for generations. Trees don't start this tall. Trees start this big. But if you plant a seed, you may have decades go before you really get to see the potential inside of that seed. But your children and your children's children may actually reap the rewards of that tree. So your seeds are going to be for yourself, it's going to be for others, and it's going to be for generations to come. But none of that's possible if you don't cast them. Now take the idea of seeds and put every aspect of your faith in, into that seed. Are you praying for the sick? Are you prophesying over people? Are you encouraging them? Are you feeding them? Are you giving them a helping hand? Are you saying hello? doesn't matter what the seed is, it matters that you cast it. And the funny thing is, is once you begin to cast seed and start to see what's happening with that, it's like every aspect of God that I want to do that more. I, I, I don't want to do that one time. I want to do that again. Why? Oh my gosh, that was amazing. I want to do it again. 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 Just a thought on generations. It deals with seeds, but on the thought on generations. Matthew, it says, Jesus is speaking, and he's like, haven't you read what God said? I am the living God, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob weren't alive when that was being said. But he actually says, I am the God. Not I was the God. I am the God. And he's not the God of the dead. He's the God of the living. Why? Because in Christ, there's no death. In Christ, there's eternal life. So when you are actually casting seed, you're casting it for everything living for generations. You are probably the fruit of seed that was cast generations before. All right. This is my heart. That we come into an awareness, of, an awareness of our identity. That's foundational. If, if you really don't know who you are or whose you are, it's really hard to go anywhere else. Because that fundamental beginning is so critical. 
But I want us to actually lead as well. I don't want you to just know who you are. I want you to lead others. I want us to think with generational mindsets. I want us to think beyond ourselves. I want us to think beyond what we can think, see, or imagine into places that are only available from him. And I actually want the heart of God and his desires to be manifest in all of our lives over our own desires. So when Renee said during worship that speaking in tongues, being baptized in the Holy Spirit, I don't know if everybody here has had that encounter, but it's not supposed to be a one-time thing. It's a continual filling. It's a continual baptism. And speaking in tongues should be a continual thing. And some of us are so afraid that we can't figure out why it's not working. It's because it doesn't happen here. It happens here. And when the baptism came in Acts the first time, when the fire appeared, they were all acting foolish. Why do we know that? Because everybody thought they were drunk. I don't think that Peter said what he said because everybody was sitting in the corner going, I'm good. <laughs> I think it was the other side of what drunk people usually are. They were probably acting foolish. They were probably loud, obnoxious. They were probably being silly. How many of you have ever seen a drunk person? Sometimes they're really silly. Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea, and all who dwell in Jerusalem. Let this be known to you and heed my words, for these are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. That's 9 a.m. Now before Jesus, I might have been on the third hour of the day drunk as they supposed. I'm not going to confirm nor deny that. But that's not what was happening. And he, and he referenced this, and I love that this is what he referenced. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Raise your hand if you're part of all flesh. Some of you just refuse to raise your hands. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my maidservants and men servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, being filled with his presence, heck, revival in itself is not defined or limited by gender, age, or social class. It was men and women, it was young and old, and it was men servants and maid servants. You can only try to disqualify yourself from receiving because he hasn't disqualified you. But when he is trying to give an explanation of what was available, it was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That, from that place, from being filled with the Holy Spirit, continuously filled, the baptism on you, the Holy Spirit on you, the Holy Spirit in you, the fullness of God, all of the things that we're talking about are fulfilled through that, all of them, because that's the water 
that ignites the potential that's inside. Don't allow the need to understand prevent you from receiving what's being offered. Because sometimes he's going to speak to your heart, not your head. And what I want to do is the way that she started it, I want us to finish. If I can have some of the worship team come back up. Now, this is what I want. I, I used to, I used to f- not do this because I didn't want people to feel embarrassed or didn't want them to feel like they're being singled out. I think you guys can tell I don't really care anymore. Because if you want freedom, step up. Because I want freedom for you. If you're the only person in the room that's going to answer to this, then you're probably going to receive everything you needed because you answered. If you have never felt the baptism of the Holy Spirit, or if you have never spoken in tongues, I want you to stand up and come up front right now. Now, I'm going to say something to this right now. I debated doing this for one reason. We, as a culture, sometimes create this big, huge expectancy that this is why it's going to happen. This is why it's going to happen. You responding was you deciding you wanted something. Him responding is the only thing needed. It's not a big act that we try to put on. It's not something that because you came forward, now you can receive. Because I'll tell you this, if you were sitting in their seat, you can still receive. I know of a lot of people that have been baptized in the Holy Spirit at night, in the middle of the night, in their bed. They wake up. It's like, okay, that's, that, that could be scary if you don't have anybody there to help you. Now, I'm going to just assume everyone else in this room has either been baptized in the Holy Spirit or you're questioning on if you want it or you're just not going to respond to anything, even I gave money away. But here's the truth. Every one of you that came down here, there's nothing you can do to earn it. There's nothing you can do to qualify for this. There's nothing you can do that makes it come easier or makes it harder to receive. Because if that were true, it 100% depends on you, and that means that you can manufacture it, which means it's not of him anyway. The one responsibility you have is to receive. And it's this easy. Okay, he received my hand. That's how easy this is. We don't have to make this something big because if you stand now in this place and go, okay, God, I'm ready. You may not see much happen. Why? Because you're trying to filter it through this place. The reality is I have seen more people baptized in the Holy Spirit than I've seen healed. Because I just have a grace and a, just a, a belief system that it's like, you want to be baptized? Great. You're baptized. Because that's free. It's given. It's easy. 
but everyone else in here. Everyone else in here. It's time for you to activate what I was talking about earlier. You're going to release onto these people. So there's one other level of, of person I'm going to ask to come up. Anyone in this place that needs any sort of healing in your body. Now hold, hold for a second. I want chronic life-threatening conditions first. Come on up. I want things you've been dealing with for years, and it's been a struggle. Come on up. I want things that have inhibited you from being able to do the things that are in your heart to do. Come on up. And now I want everyone else that has any type of physical oppression against your body to come on up. I also want to invite those of you that have mental things that are going on. And it doesn't mean that you're a mental case. It means that you have things going on that are attacking your mental capacity. It could be night terrors. It could be, it could be confusion on a regular level. It could be some sort of dementia or anything like that. If you have anything like that, I want you to come up as well. What we're going to do is I'm going to have the worship team just begin to sing in the spirit. Singing, singing in tongues. Everyone else, I just want you begin to pray or sing in tongues as you're led. If your voice isn't the greatest, oh well, do it anyway. Because doing this, that's like putting the light under a bushel. You're letting, you know it's there, you're just not letting it out. Let it out. Sing in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. And do it with the amount of faith that says, God, I'm giving you everything because you want to give me everything. Now, everyone else in here, I just want you to join us. I want you to be the strength and leading in this community to, to just raise up a sound singing in the spirit, praying in the spirit. It may sound chaotic in the beginning, but what happens when we all let it come out is there is this beautiful synchronization that comes and God begins to harmonize us as we do this. So those of you that have never received, just don't try to do anything. Just receive what's going on and let it happen. Just let it happen. Everyone else, this is going to be the end of me on the microphone, but everyone else, we're just going to begin to sing and speak in tongues. And I want to do this for a while. You'll know when you're done. When you're done, be blessed, go home. If you're not done, you don't have to leave. Do this until you feel the lifting off of you and you know you're done. But other than that, stay. And for the people that are out there, you're actually the strength and empowerment for people up here to receive breakthrough. So I don't want you to sit there and watch. I want you to actually stand up and just enter in with everything that's going on. Thank you, Father. God bless you guys. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com.